You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. This week, The Whole Truth podcast goes across to Brazil. I'm Paul Armstrong. Thanks for joining us. I've just had a great chat with Equinox Resources Chief Executive Zach Kamur. Equinox has just pegged an enormous lump of land in Brazil. You might say, why would you want to do that? Zach gives us several very good reasons why they are so active all of a sudden in Brazil. They are after rare earths. Now, rare earths are a key element in the motors in electric vehicles, and China dominates the market. So why would you go to Brazil? Well, Brazil has a great track record in the rare earths industry, but perhaps more pertinently, Gina Reinhardt has just put some money into a company called Brazilian Rare Earths. She has about 6% at this stage, and they're due to IPO shortly. Brazilian Rare Earths has attracted a lot of attention, and some of that is spotlight is now being shed on Equinox. Equinox has a great big lump of land right next to Brazilian Rare Earths. The geology is very similar, and as Zach tells us, there is much reason to believe that they could have a replica of what Brazilian Rare Earths has. Their project is called Campo Grungy. That's about the closest I'll get to pronouncing it correctly. But don't be deterred by the name. The project has much going for it, and most importantly, Equinox is going to hit the ground running in the new year with a big drilling program. There'll be plenty of results. They'll be spitting out uh, holes left, right and centre, turning this thing into Swiss cheese as they seek to establish another big rare earths play in North Brazil. It's a fascinating new play right in the heart of rare earths territory. It's a commodity that the world is after, particularly when it comes from somewhere other than China. I think you'll enjoy this. Zach, Equinox has just pegged an enormous lump of land in northern Brazil. What's it all about? Well, coming into Equinox uh, and being in the role for two months, we we were looking for a a game-changing, I guess, asset to add to the portfolio and and reshape our portfolio. And having previously ventured into Brazil uh, back in 2009 on on nickel and cobalt projects myself, kind of steered towards Brazil because it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, it's a low-cost operation for mining, uh, great mining jurisdiction. They have a decarbonised uh, energy grid running off hydro and wind. And it's a it's a resource-rich uh, jurisdiction to, to mine in. Uh, so started, started looking at the key commodities as to what we could uh, consider in Brazil. Uh, and I ventured over there to look into uh, lithium and ionic rare earth clays uh, and spent a month there looking at various acquisitions and then uh, basically did our homework on the geophysical models uh, within Brazil and came across this great region uh, near Jequier, which showed uh, some great markers for ionic rare earth clays. And as we were there pegging... Uh, The prospectus for Brazilian Rare Earth Limited came out at that stage and uh, we continued to peg uh, the geophysical markers of that region. So Brazilian Rare Earth is is the company that's about to float on the ASX with uh, Gina Reinhardt as a substantial shareholder. Yeah, uh, Gina's uh, 6% in in the pre-IPO for Brazilian Rare Earth, uh, which uh, once, uh, once the subscription comes in at 50 million, uh, it will be valued at a three hundred and fifteen million uh, as part of their fifty million, uh, I guess, investment. Uh, they're spending twelve million to acquire Rio Tinto's draw compliant uh, drill cores that that were undergoing uh, that that took place in that region. 
and they got approximately 500 million tonnes at 1,500 ppm of uh, rare earth oxides. I mean, it's really hit the ground running, hasn't it? Brazilian rare earths is a, uh, has suddenly come from nothing to quite a prominent name in the rare earth space in the last couple of months, you might say. They uh, obviously got some spectacular results. Gina clearly likes it. You know, she's had a, f- a fair lick of the stock and uh, head of the IPO. Uh, it's got some great headlines. You were already there doing some work. It was brilliant. It was the Brazilian Rare Earths operation, wasn't it? And their sudden rise to prominence that sort of prompted you to say, "Hey, we need some. We need some more land as close as possible, as much as possible." That's right, and, and we're continuing to look for more land. Uh, we we are uh, going through our doing our homework and on the geophysical markers in that region, and and look to acquire actually more land within Brazil that provides ionic rare earth clay uh, as a, as a as a mix for equinox because when it, when it does come to rare earth uh, elements, uh, China kind of has ninety percent of the market, and they're looking at stemming flow to the Western world. So it's really looking at de-risking that market and, and that that market will bifurcate over time. And when it comes to rare earths as well, you've got the hard rock route and then you've got the clay route. So the hard rock route needs a lot of capital. Uh, the downstream complexity uh, requires approximately $2 billion worth of capital uh, with uh, quite complex solvent extraction processes. And Linus is doing that to some degree in, in Western Australia and their plants in Malaysia. And they're also backed by the US government, the de- Defence Department. But when it comes to clays, it's it's a major disruptor for the industry because it's a it's a process that doesn't require any drilling and blasting, just excavation of that clay, which is then leased, leached downstream with ammonium sulfate that only requires $100 million worth of capex as opposed to the $2 billion worth of capex for hard rock. So how close is Campo Grungy, the Equinox project, Two Brazilian rare earths. It's worth it's worth sort of com- talking about that name too. Campo Grungy. I mean, that is as about as close as I'm going to get to the correct pronunciation. I suspect, but when I look at it, and I suspect most of our listeners would look at this, they they would say, Zach, uh, it's it's Campo Grande. But but ca- ca- Campo Grungy doesn't exactly put it in a great light, does it? But it is far better than, than perhaps the name might suggest. Is it is it the immediate next door neighbour to the Brazilian rare earths play? Yeah, it's, it's quite adjacent to the uh, Brazilian rare earth play and there are uh, others others within that region. Actually, <clears throat> when I was looking at that region, uh, I got approached by a, uh, a broker to, to purchase a 2,000 uh, 2, hectare uh, tenement, which they did some great work on. And they valued that tenement at $100, $100 million, <laughs> which was quite overvalued. But that's when you put a Western face in front of a Brazilian uh, broker, the, the prices go exponential. But our tenements, which span uh, 170,000 hectares, which is approximately the size of uh, the island of Maui in Hawaii, uh, is, is encompassing that region. And, and Brazilian rare earths, uh, which which equates to about 140,000 hectares. But Brazilian rare earths is going to have a market cap of, what, circa $350 million on IPO. Your market cap at Equinox is, is what? Today it's about uh, $25 million. So, so therein lies the uh, the upside, if you like, the potential. You're really looking for a uh, Brazilian rare earths repeat, and a neurology play that can with some more work, establish itself in the same way that Brazilian rare earths has. And, hey, Presto, you know, you're talking a 10, 15 bagger. Absolutely, Paul. Uh, 
I, I don't kind of see it as a neurology play. We kind of did our homework and looked at the geophysical markers and, and pegged the land accordingly. And 170 170,000 hectares equated to a cost outlay of uh, $35,000 just to peg that land. So why did you peg it? What do you like about it? Apart from the fact that you're next to Brazilian rare earths and all the great things they've got going for them, there's a there's obviously in, in, in the mining game, the exploration game, that's reason it's in itself enough to peg something. But mm. but you you like it for more than that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Being on the ground and, and, and walking the fields and, and looking at the hillsides and looking at the clay uh, – in there, you kind of come across uh, some of the towns were actually using the clay to build houses, which you're kind of looking looking at it to say that there's some great probably uh, rare earths in the, in that clay that they're putting together. So it's really uh, adding adding something to our portfolio within Equinox, and we are continuing to explore further uh, rare earth tenements within Brazil that we could peg. And what what smoke have you got on your ground? Would you say Zach in respect to rare earths? Uh, well, within that region, uh, the geology would, would remain the same. Uh, I think ultimately the test work is key. So you could have great PPM levels of uh, total rare earth oxides, but how much is leached is key. So in China, they have low concentrations at 500 PPM, but they could leach up to 90% of that and recover 90%. And each clay is different. Uh, there's different regions like Africa as well as Brazil with different clays and they could have high PPMs uh, on the 3000s or 5000s, but some of them only leach out 30 or 40%. So it's really looking at the test work and, do, and doing the downstream. So work. you've got a bit of work to do. You obviously like the geology. You say that replicates what Brazilian rarest has got. That's, and so therefore there's obviously the potential to repeat the content, if you like, of what they've got. Um, what are you going to do to, to test to test what's really in the ground? What's the plan of attack on the ground? Yeah, so once the uh, tenements are granted to us uh, come January uh, through the A and M uh, Brazilian, I guess mining uh, government uh, government jurisdiction, uh, we would end up uh, getting drilling underway. But before that, as well, uh, come December, uh, we've got a team on ground that's going to start looking at taking some uh, hillside and soil samples across the tenements to then let us know, I guess, which tenements we should focus on and and, and look at uh, initially high grading, uh, I guess, our approach to, to our drilling campaign come January. So you're really, is it a case of really diving in with the rig? Absolutely, yeah, diving with the rig. And uh, some of it only requires auger drilling, which uh, the depths of the clay only require 10 to 40 metres uh, of drilling as opposed to, I guess, lithium, which which would go onto a, a hundred, hundred metres. So very shallow depth. And it's really looking at that uh, layer to see how the depth goes for each of the clay deposits across our tenements and when we hit bedrock. And cost is a, is a key one to operate in Brazil, like RC drilling. Uh, it's only $50 a metre, but it's four to five times the cost in Australia and Canada. So are you going to pepper this ground in the new year, that's that's really that's uh, what it. four to six weeks. You're going to get a pretty good handle. It's a lot of holes, isn't it? In that Absolutely, uh, uh, kind of working through, uh, I guess the the plan of attack for the exploration, and then just basically drill as much as possible and continue drilling, uh, doing the downstream test work. Also reached out to various uh, labs within Brazil to look at setting up an entity within that region because there's going to be thousands of samples that we need to work through and analyze and one of the key bottlenecks in brazil is 
I guess the the laboratory. So so getting a, a laboratory set up in in Jackier is is key uh, to make that happen. So there's going to be a, a rush of news flow from sort of you know late January onwards, isn't there? As you get in there, drill this, get these results. Uh, this this region that you're in, Brazilian rare earths are in. Are there, it's obviously very hot. Are there other companies sort of rushing to it now? Have you have you got a bit of a perhaps not first mover advantage, but second mover advantage? Uh, there are others in the area. Paul, once once we noticed, once our announcement went out, the uh, the remaining available areas in that region are, are being snapped up by uh, other ASX listed companies, as well as uh, Brazilian brokers that are looking at flipping assets or tenements. So uh, l- looking at that ground and then. Uh, Doing their minimal exploration and then trying to flip it, which which we which I saw on some of the acquisition discussions that I had in Brazil. So it's becoming very much a trading and a peaking hotspot, perhaps in the same way that we saw the James Bay region in Canada for lithium, you know, 12, 12 months or so ago when that became a hotbed of trading and and you know horse trading and and that sort of thing over there for lithium. You're, you're seeing the same thing in in this region for rare earths. Yeah, that's right, and. Uh, kind of went into Brazil with a focus on, on lithium and, and rare earths. Uh, there was some great re- uh, some great grounds to peg in lithium, uh, but having a look at our portfolio, we've got our tenements in Canada and, and Australia on lithium. Came a lot of, uh, came across a lot of lapidolite uh, throughout Brazil. Uh, BYD were in there, the Chinese are in there, they're trucking it out uh, by the tonne and they're actually shipping it out as feldspar to avoid lithium royalties within Brazil. And they're sending it off to China for processing. So, uh, what, one thing that I'm realising within Brazil, which is which is quite sad as well, that a majority of the lithium plays and also the downstream plays, a lot of people are shipping out of Brazil and not really processing with within Brazil, which is quite sad. But in the rare earth space, even Brazilian rare earths themselves are not the first mover. Are they? There's a very established rare earths industry in Brazil. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. Uh, coming on onto Equinox and looking at the various commodities and, and a pivot towards rare earth clays. Uh, I actually came across the world map millions of years ago where Brazil was, uh, Brazil was actually joined to Africa and, and the countries of Namibia and Ghana and the like. And we kind of see that play out with uh, IXR who, who have clays in, in Uganda within, uh, and they they got some concentrations there. And it's quite interesting that we haven't come down to the lithology or the sciences to how these clays are formed, but they are formed within Brazil. And we kind of see, uh, I guess, some, I guess, some research that it says it is linked to bauxite, which Rio Tinto were drilling in that area looking for bauxite, which they found low concentrations of, but high concentrations of rare earth. So it's it's interesting that. Uh, to kind of do our homework in clays and, and there is a lot in brazil uh, china has a majority of the the clay deposit as well as vietnam and and, and brazil is coming in third uh, there are hot spots within brazil like uh, uh de caldas where uh, viridis metals is as well as meteoric and uh, cerro verde is within that region with apia as well in uh, the state of goyas so a lot of uh, great clay uh, deposits within Brazil. It's just really doing our homework and pegging the land as opposed to acquisitions at a high level. Now, just you said at the outset, you talked about China's dominant uh, position in the rare earths market. The interest is returning to the rare earth sector on the ASX. 
uh, went through a bit of a lull, you know, six, eight months ago. Do you detect that uh, investor interest is coming back because of because of the change of the dynamics overseas? Yes, and, and it's a key commodity moving forward with the energy transition. Uh, the rare earth, uh, I guess, the heavy and the light baskets, are, uh, the 17 elements that are sitting at the bottom of the periodic table are key to, I guess, the hybrid cars and electric uh, cars uh, where 4.5 uh, kilograms of rare earth is used in each car. Uh, chip manufacturing, uh, weaponry, uh, and, and we can see China signalling to kind of restrict that supply to the Western world. And that's why the likes of the US Defence Department are backing Linus in Australia with their hard rock route and financing them, as well as the Eniaba project with Aluka, where they've got a debt finance facility with the Australian government to, to back that as well. So a lot of backing in the Western world on rare earths just to kind of de-risk the Western world from, from Chinese, uh, I guess, dominance. Now, just as an aside, before we wrap up, I think it's worth just also just touching the fact that Equinox also has some iron ore interests in Western Australia. Yeah, it's it's our, our IPO in 2021 was based on our uh, Jork compliant resource uh, in the Hammersley Iron Project based in the Pilbara, which is uh, sitting south of uh, the Solomon Fortescue mine and north of Rio Tinto's iron ore mine. We have 343 million tonnes at 55% iron, and we're looking at a high-grade option that sits above the water table at 58 to 63% iron, and we're just, just working through that. We have a drill campaign ready uh, to execute in 2024, and we're just working uh, with the traditional owners on a path forward there. So once you get that sorted out, there's obviously a lot of interest in iron. All the price is booming. And small fish can be very sweet in the iron ore game. Absolutely. Iron ore provides great margins. I think the price at the moment sits about $130 a tonne and the majors out there, they produce it at uh, $23 to $25 a tonne. So they're basically printing money with the volumes that they're producing. Uh, we're looking at various options there through DSO or uh, in-house development of that asset. So you've just raised a bit of dough this week. You're armed and dangerous, ready to go. You're really what, bracing for a pretty hot start to the new year. Absolutely, Paul. It's really getting uh, those dollars in the ground uh, through exploration on our uh, rare earth uh, tenements in Brazil and then also kicking off further exploration in, in our iron ore project as well as uh, our lithium tenements. Zach, thanks for your time today. It sounds like you're really into a uh, setting yourself up for a great new year. Um, investors like to see people who are companies that are drilling and making action and news flow. That's where the value creation comes from. And you've got plenty of that coming up. You've obviously got months of action in Brazil uh, up the road from what is going to be a hot IPO of next year. I think that the whole GINA involvement next door with Brazilian rare earths will put some spotlight on the whole sector and particularly on Equinox itself. So you're really well positioned for a, for a great new year. All the best with the drill rig, and I think we might get you back to the Whole Truth podcast maybe sometime around Easter to see how things are panning out. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Red Corporate. 
Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.